It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be No Encore. Welcome to a special episode of the No Encore Music Podcast in which we are joined by David Balfe, also known as For Those I Love, for an in-depth conversation following the long-awaited release of his self-titled debut album. An album I think anyone listening will agree is a very powerful, thought-provoking, electric, beautifully affecting piece of work. I say long-awaited release, but really, for so many people, For Those I Love is a re-release, the re-emergence of a project that surfaced quietly in the summer of 2019. There was no major PR campaign then to speak of, just a few emails sent around, and word of mouth building, a couple of posts on the likes of District Magazine and Nile 9. If I recall correctly, I saw a pop-up on District, and then on a couple of Twitter accounts, I think Nilo among them, and someone I used to work with sent me a DM as well, saying that this was her friend's project and I should really check it out. By that point, I actually had. I was initially drawn in by the stark cover art and the name. I figured For Those I Love would be a hardcore band or something, maybe in the vein of Converge, uh, which would be great. But it was, of course, something different, which was also great. This album hit me like a bolt of lightning. Uh, it felt like something I'd never really heard before, at least certainly not from an Irish musician. There was alchemy here. It blew me away. It stayed with me. And though it was intimately about people I'd previously never heard of before in my life, 
It listened to me. It kept me company. It gave me strength, despite the unflinching, devastating subject matter at the heart of it. And I knew I wasn't alone in this feeling. It felt like something special that should really be heard far and wide. I saw David Balfour shortly afterwards, sending him a WhatsApp message saying that I love the album, and I would love to interview him if he felt up to it, mindful that I was potentially asking a lot of him. He thought about it, said he would like to, and then we met up in the Workman's Club one day, where he spoke for about an hour. It felt like a therapy session, which I hope doesn't sound too trite. That's genuinely how it felt. At the time, I was working in Joe.ie, and it turned out that he worked quite close by, so we started going for coffee around the corner on some lunchtimes. It took me a while during this to kind of get the piece where I wanted it to be. Eventually, I got to about 3,200 words I was happy with, and just around this time that I was going to try and convince my editor to allow for this word count and for the pretty-looking feature skin that we used on the website for long reads, all in the name of an underground artist he likely hadn't heard of, David Balfe asked me something. He asked me if I would consider not publishing the interview after all. Why? Because the project was going offline, with plans for a re-release via a UK label he had just signed to. At the time date unknown. Soon afterwards, the album vanished from streaming services without public explanation, and our interview, of course, never saw the light of day. In truth, I was gutted because of how excited I was to work on it in the first place and put it out there to people, uh, and to be present for what I felt like was a really valuable and important story in Irish music, a developing story, clearly. At the same time, though, I'd like to think that Dave and I had become friends over those few months, and I was really happy for him, so it was a no-brainer to put it on ice. Plus, I figured we'd get another chance down the line. As you might expect, I've been waiting a long time to sit down with him again and discuss the project. I'm operating under the assumption that if you're listening to this intro, that you're very familiar with For Those I Love, that you've heard the album, that you know the power that it has, and what the project stands for. Of course, much has been made about it standing as a tribute to David's departed best friend Paul Curran, an artist whose influence continues to be felt across his native Dublin and the rest of the country. It's an incredible work, even if you don't know the backstory, if you don't know the context. I think just hearing it, it has a physical feeling that will kind of run through you. Uh, It's an album that exists in an incredible state of duality, however. It serves as Balfe's extremely raw and inventive attempt to honour Paul Curran and those who have impacted his life so strongly, while also perhaps seeking out some semblance of personal catharsis. But it is also a canvas for anybody who listens to it to project their own thoughts and emotions upon it. And it really does feel despite all of us being locked down right now, that this album represents a true sense of communion. I think you can genuinely feel it in the air. All of which brings us to this conversation, recorded over Zoom, so with that in mind, please forgive the occasional background noise, including children walking past windows and making noise, because that's just life. Uh, This was recorded on Good Friday, as the sun blasted through the window. The album had been out at this point by exactly a week, so I think it was actually a really good time to catch up to him. On this episode, we speak about the chart battle with Justin Bieber for the Irish number one album, something I didn't think I would be putting into my intro with the return of this record, but it happened. And Dave's reaction to just, and I really do mean just, missing out on the top spot to Bieber. Um, Again, surreal, right? Uh, We talk about finally releasing the album again, the huge reaction to it, the response from family and friends and strangers and how he's dealing with all of this selling out the Olympia Theatre in a matter of hours or days or less, Uh, how and why the album went offline two years ago and what led to it returning now. We go behind the scenes of his Jules Holland, other voices and Tommy Tiernan performances, and we close by asking what the future might hold for the project. I want to thank Dave for his trust and his generosity and being so candid and open with this conversation. I hope people will get something from it. I know I certainly did, much like with the record. Finally, if this is your first time ever checking out No Encore to hear Dave, um, don't be a stranger. It's a weekly music podcast. 
At every Friday, we cover music news, we review an album, and we have a top five signature countdown kind of face-off with my co-host Craig Fitzpatrick. For example, the most recent episode was top five Kanye West songs, and um, I think all of them were pretty great. So do check it out. Stay with us. As for this conversation, a couple of hours beforehand, the chart results came through, and that's roughly where we began. So here I am in conversation with David Balf for those I love on No Encore. I have a love, and it never fades. From red garden sheds to watching lads on steads knocking heads. From the two by two fuck you punk stage to a warehouse rave with a bloke we met on the way dancing till day. I have a love. And it never fades Full of plights and gripes Like Achilles who loves fights Like you did, right? Like we did twice I love you beyond life I have a love And it never fades You are God's son across the belly Remembered by pictures on your telly Your body laying in its glow Surrounded by those you know Crying for your words and your soul that final loss of your glimmer of hope that we heard Delighted to finally be joined on the encore by the one, the only, David Balfe, a.k.a. For Those I Love. How the hell are you, man? It's good to see your face. I am good, and I'm going to... I'm going to already fuck you up here, Dave. Um, I have just... I've just come up with a theory as to why I might be so quiet on your end. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hit a button on this and see if are something gonna, happens. Are you going to blow my ears out? Okay, right, okay. Uh, check, 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 check. Does it make any difference at all? Much the same, much the same. Okay. But this will all be like masterfully edited in post yeah. anyway, so Adam's going to make us sound like superstars, as he do always you, does. Do you want to uh, Do you want to redo your um, your intro? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm okay with keeping it loose, you know. This is good. I'm recording, I'm talking to you on Good Friday. The sun is shining yeah. through my window. And this has been an interview that's been a long time in the making. So, you know what, I'm okay with having a couple of, like, it's kind of fraying at the edges, which is a good way to start, yeah. which is how I usually am. So, uh, but yeah, we'll probably keep all this in. But nonetheless, I will say once again, because I am very, very happy to have you on the show. So welcome, like, welcome aboard, man. I haven't seen you. I haven't seen your face like this in a long time. We like we used to go for green tea together across across the way from where we worked together, and then the world shut down. So it's been a long time coming to get the chance to kind of sit down with you again one on one, as we are doing so, of course, here via the wonderful medium of Zoom. Um, so yeah, listen, you've had a crazy week. How are you feeling? I feel, I feel, I feel tired. I feel tired, Dave. That's the main. That's the main thing. Um. I feel all right. Admittedly, a little bit disappointed. Um, I think I just, you know, I, I I just wrote a small piece about it there, um, and I acknowledge I definitely should not feel disappointed. What a what a terrible thing to feel disappointed about. Um, you know, getting the, the the second the the second place in the in the album charts. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. I feel disappointed because my ma, you know, my family, my mates got so invested in the idea of getting this record that was made in my ma's shed to, to number one. And they just put crazy graft into it. And I don't know if I've seen them as elated and together since the start of the lockdown, you know, it's been such a isolating thing and, and, and it has really pushed um, 
push the, the, the limits on the, the structure of our traditional friendship, you know, um, and we've been desperate to try and find ways to, to bring it together. And I think that this has really done that. I've never seen my, my WhatsApp groups and my Zooms as vibrant. So I feel a little bit disappointed that after all that, I couldn't take it home for them. Um, I also, again, admittedly feel like I, I, I had no aspirations about this charting. I also don't really understand how the charts work. I don't think I, you know, I, I certainly didn't beforehand. Any understanding I've had of it since has actually just made it more confusing. But I, I, I didn't understand how they worked. So I certainly didn't believe that we would be in the position to, to reach the charts at all. But as soon as we found out that we were, and we found out that it was this like battle between one and two, uh, I have temporarily forgotten how competitive I am as a person. Like I even, I was going to say even over a game of pool, but I take pool very seriously. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a very, very competitive person. I just don't think I've ever been competitive about the creative arts before. But this wasn't framed as a competition of the creative arts at all. It was just framed as a competition. And yeah, I just, yeah, going back to, you know, 20 year old kickboxing, just being like, nah, 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 I gotta, I gotta win this. I gotta win this. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you about that. I think it'd be really easy to, to, uh, to play the, to play the, you know, the cool, play cool and be like, oh man. It's not about that, but yeah, you can do nah. that magnanimous post-match interview thing. You know, yeah, yeah, Beaver, yeah. Beaver deserved it, man. He yeah. didn't deserve it. Fuck him. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> my word's not yours. But like, in fairness, I mean, look, look. I believe the Irish charts. I read it earlier on, and I think it said there was sixty-seven sales in the difference, which to me is like salt in the wound. I'm like, what? It was that close on on this? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I it's. It would feel almost condescending for me to try and like contextualize this for you because who am I to do so? But my takeaway from this is I haven't even listened to the album yet, man. I, I feel like that's not going to necessarily last. It's his like fifth or sixth album. It's a very different realm, a very different world. I think, the, I, I think, you know, at the start of the week, seeing you kind of like those kind of headlines go up, it was just like, oh my God. And yeah, I guess from your point of view, it didn't matter that this was like, the biggest pop superstar out there. It was just like, people are responding. This is a hell of a thing. It's in sight. I thought, I thought it was going to be number one. I was actually genuinely kind of shocked and, and quite good at when it wasn't, but I hope it hasn't changed what has, what must have been a genuinely incredible week for you. Because like, like I say, I'm, I'm speaking to you on the Friday after the album came out. So it's been like seven days. Album comes out. It's, it's something people have been waiting for, for a long time to resurface and to come out in this form. You sell out the Olympia theater days later, with almost no trouble or time at all spent. And then this incredible side story. I mean, you said there a few minutes ago that you're tired. I'd be shocked if you weren't. I hope you've been sleeping okay. I, you see, I, I, I think, I think that there's something else going on with the investment, you know, my personal investment in this idea around the, the chart battle. And the, the, I mean, the reality of it is, I I have been searching for ways not to think about the significance or emotional impact of re-releasing this record, which I don't necessarily feel ready for. You know, I I I have, um, I wrote this first three years ago when 
I was not in a healthy frame of mind and I wasn't in a healthy space in my life. And since then I've, I've worked very intently, um, to be able to get to a very healthy space and I have succeeded in doing so. And I'm, I'm a lot better now than I was three years ago. So it's quite difficult to step backwards into those flames again and to revisit a lot of those old feelings and some of that boredom and pain that was there when I wrote the record. So I feel like on the week that's in it, it's actually quite a relief to be able to just ignore that and channel the feelings into something that seems so, I don't know, benign, um, so uh, temporary or surface level. It's, it's, it's quite a nice cheat, you know? Um, and yeah, fully, fully admit that it's, it's, it's way easier to just get, allow yourself get caught up in, the competition of it and, and not care and not reflect on what it might mean for you as a person to have to do battle with those feelings again and the weight and the guilt that comes with something like that. It's a really nice way to approach it in a non-emotional and really, really pragmatic manner. A manner. Um, so how I've been doing this week is, is, is very, very void of, of a, uh, a feeling and, and, and emotion. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't felt joyous. I haven't felt elated, but I also haven't felt, you know, depressed. I haven't felt the same sense of guilt that was there, the lead up to the record. I haven't really felt a whole lot at all. Um, I feel like due to how much focus there was and, and my willingness to ignore the traditional and just go along with this drive towards the, you know, the, the sort of the more, the more fickle end with the, with the charts. I didn't really get a chance to reflect on the significance of selling out the, the Olympia either, which seems quite alien to me as well. I, I don't know if I have, um, I don't know if I've understood in my own mind that that's a thing that has occurred. I, I feel like I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's somebody else that is playing that show. And, you know, there's, when there's a whole team working, you know, uh, yeah, it's a little easier to forget the, it's a little easier to forget the personal significance. Um, I think it's going to take me a couple of weeks to fall into the afterglow of all this and be able to reflect back then and see where, I'm actually at with all this and I'm, I'm maybe feel the weight of it all then. I, I don't know. Uh, and, and I'm tired because, yeah, no, I barely have been, been sleeping, but, but I'm not much of a sleeper anyway, you know. I, I, work my, I work my day job and then I do the music and then I, you know, you got your friends, you got your family to take care of, you got relationships to, to upkeep um, and you got to cook the dinner. It's a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. like you, you haven't fully embraced the superstar lifestyle just yet, you know, I mean, maybe give it a few months before, you know, you've got like all kinds of people just 
looking after you morning, noon, night in that way. I I can't I can't quite see Dave Balf selling out though, you know. I just it doesn't make sense to me. I can I kinda of feel like there'll be I don't know, like like it must be head spinning, man. Like you mentioned there, like selling at the Olympia Theatre and you can't quite fathom it. I can't quite fathom it. I mean this is like this project surfaced a few years ago quietly, but it took on it took on a life quite quickly. It was very much something that people were drawn to. And I remember talking to you about it, you know, like we sat down for an interview before that interview never actually ran. We were kind of going for coffees and like, like I say, like kind of on work lunch breaks and stuff. And I was just like, I was like, there's so much happening or could happen or maybe might not happen at all. And I just find it incredible in the best possible way that like my buddy just saw at the fucking Olympia theater. I don't understand it, but he did it. And I don't know. I mean, like, it's just like, where does it end? You know, I mean, like, it's I flash back to you telling me, I mean, like, I don't know if we can talk a bit about, you know, the project kind of going offline and then coming back and that whole process. But yeah, I know. Well, I, I mean, know. like, I remember you told me, like, you were saying, like, you know, there was interest. And I remember you were kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, like, you're like, apparently you have to get an entertainment lawyer. And like, what the fuck is that? And then I was just like, this is crazy. And then you're like, I don't know. I think you were unsure. I think you were saying that you weren't sure if you wanted to do it, to pursue it. And then you took the chance. And obviously now, you know, the rest is history. But like for people who who had access to the first version of the album and then one day it was gone, obviously we now know the full story to some degree. But can you shed any kind of background light on just what that process was like for you and and, and how it has come to come back for, like like in this form? But I, I think when I when I very first, uh, when we did our first interview to get it, oh yeah, the one that uh, that didn't air, it was, it, it was probably a few weeks after I first put the project online. I put it on Bandcamp. And... You know, even just putting it up on Bandcamp took a lot of encouragement from from friends and family. Um, but I put it up, and and yeah, I, I you were an early responder. You know, um, when we spoke then, there there had been no, you know, no no interest there. Um, there was no aspirations either. You know, I I, I was quite. I think I was quite taken aback that people wanted to speak to me about the record in the first place but I was also very I was also very um, I was very moved that people wanted to hear the story about it and people wanted to connect with something that you know was made at such a small scale but with such um, passion and, and drive yeah, it, uh, I just, I just got in, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I should just, I think I should just be able to talk about this. I don't think I have, I think I should just be able to, yeah, I just got an Instagram message and it was like, what's up, man? You know, do you want to, do you want to have a phone call? And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. He's, no, he's English, but I, I think I might have said no. I think I was like, I'm not interested and I think, I think, I must go back and look, because I was thinking about this during the week. Um, and I think he just pressed me a few more times. And then we just started having phone calls. And that's when I first spoke to you about it, I think, on the sly, having a coffee going, yeah, I think there's like some external interest here in this project. And you're right, I was really not interested 
I think I, I, I took the phone calls first out of curiosity because my friends and family were like, yeah, just see what, see what they're on about. And that just started to, to sort of barrel roll. And they came over, they flew over, they spent a bit of time here. And we just did a bunch of meetings and talked it out an awful lot. And slowly but surely I started to build up a, a sense of trust with their intentions and their approach to the project because that's what was most paramount to me you know that it was something that was extremely delicate but that could potentially be handled in a you know in a, in a, in a positive way it took I'm, I'm, I'm not a naturally trusting person I think I've been I've been taught not to be for better or for worse I don't know so it took quite a while for me to develop that trust with them but I, but I did and I'm very grateful that I did because I've had an incredible experience with them and I felt very cared for, um, which I think might be rare within the, within, the, um, within the music industry, certainly from people that I've spoken to. I think it seems, it seems rare that, pe- that people don't, uh, don't feel like, um, don't feel like they're being taken advantage of. Um, or uh, exploited in some way, but I, I I feel very very cared for. I feel very listened to and heard. But I also understand I'm 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 29. Like it's hard to pull the wool over my eyes at this stage. I mean you, you still can, but it's a lot harder. I'm I'm not charmed by I'm not charmed by things the same way I was when I was in my early 20s. You know, or on my late teens. I think if if this had presented itself to me in my earlier days it would be a lot easier to charm me with um with the high life you know but it just doesn't it makes me uncomfortable makes me deeply uncomfortable I feel like I don't belong and uh it's not it's not the way to my heart you know um but it took a lot of it took a lot of talking with my friends and family to uh to convince me to to remain open to their requests to to maybe run with the album and do something a bit bigger um and that's when it that's when it first went down and it was it's kind of difficult at the time because I had to keep very quiet about that and and although the album didn't really get although the album didn't get a lot of traction at the time it it did get you know it did it did have some did have some people that connected with it in a very, very personal way. And I immediately felt the ripples of taking that record down when I first did, because there was, I was pretty bombarded with requests for people to, to be able to continue to live with that album and in some ways even depend on it. So that was a very strange experience. And I hope they, I hope people don't feel, um, let down or, or wronged by that in, in, in any way. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope they, I hope people can, can see it for what it is and, and that there is a, you know, that there is and there was potentially a, a drive to try and do something, um, bigger and that could affect the, the greater good a little bit more. Can I ask how you found the process of waiting and like how patient did you have to be in terms of it, it going down the first time and coming back now? Because even with release dates, like when I started getting some press releases from UK PRs, 
at first there was like a release date then that was moved it was supposed to come out in like December of last year and I must say whoever made the decision to move from December deserves a fucking raise because as I've always said on the show I think releasing music in December is always like it's such a difficult time to do it I think people are always kind of their attention is elsewhere and an album like this one when I saw it was getting moved to like the first kind of few months of 2021 I was like yeah that makes a lot more sense to me Um, but yeah I mean like I don't know how it is for you I think if I was in your position I wouldn't be able to stop telling people. So congratulations on your discipline the entire time. Um, I don't think I take pleasure in, in, in telling people about it though, because it just, it, it just results in more questions and uh, that results in more pressure, more stress. So it's a lot easier for me to just, you know, just keep my mouth shut and not say a thing. Cause uh, yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm much happier in silence, I think, than which has been a difficult thing. Then for the past couple of weeks, having to do loads of uh, loads of press, loads of press obligations. Um, yeah, I, it, it's taken me a while to 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 become comfortable with that. How I how I felt about waiting though is that's a complicated it's a complicated answer to give you. Yeah, I, I mean, for the amount of potential release dates you've heard about I've probably heard about a lot more um, we, we, we we went through many release dates and then cancelled them and then moved it again and moved it again and I'm really happy that we did for a number of reasons least of all is the fact that as I stated earlier you know I am in such a such a healthier space now as a person um, that although although it's a uh, Although it makes me nervous to walk back, I am in a much more prepared state of mind to be able to walk back now. And I think that that distance, although it has felt like I've carried part of that weight and that burden with me the whole time, um, I've gotten stronger as I've done it. So it's easier for me to to turn back and, and face that now. So I'm quite glad overall that we had to wait as long as we did because it has allowed me to feel more distanced from where I was three years ago and and also a little bit easier to speak about where I was at that time because it feels like it has less um it has a little bit less significance to to where I'm at right now and it's a lot harder for the uh, the allure of the oblivion and intoxication at that time to drag me back because I I'm pretty grounded now you know I hope that makes some some semblance of sense. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, obviously, like, your perspective is going to be unique regardless, but the fact that there are multiple perspectives offering you their perspective throughout this process, I mean, like, whether it was when it first surfaced or whether in this last kind of week or two or maybe since the start of the year or, like, when when the project was officially announced that it was coming back late last year, um, if I could possibly bring you back to when we spoke a few years ago just for a second, because I just want to kind of quote uh, something that you said to me at the time, Um I I think I was asking you just about like people's reactions essentially and you were saying that you've said for years it's something that you and Paul always harped on about that Dublin is quote fucking tiny which it is you said everybody knows everybody it's very hard to be in any way involved in any category of activity not know your peers and not know so much about their life when I shared the record online I assumed I'm sharing this with my friends my peripheral friends who maybe I haven't spoken to a lot in the past year hopefully this will give some insight into why that hasn't been the case and also maybe friends of Paul's that might also find something in it that I found in it I didn't necessarily understand or anticipate that I would be sharing it with a significantly wider audience than that. 
which was true at the time, but now it's so much bigger. You know, I mean, like even like if you look back to say like the chart battle that we just talked about, you're seeing the likes of like Kojak, Dermot Kennedy, Kate Nash, others just like putting up Instagram stories and pushing you on, rallying around you. And of course, and I think you are someone who kind of lives a bit of an offline existence to a degree. I mean, you must be getting so many messages from people all the time. I can't imagine what that's like, but has anything kind of changed for you in this time? You've said that you've you've gotten yourself to a place where you're a bit more centered, perhaps, and hopefully that is healthier for you. Um, but this project is so empathetic and it is so, I think for a lot of people, myself very much included, like it strikes such a, such a personal and unique chord with people that you're in a very unique position where like, I hope that you're able to just completely distill that and not give too much of yourself. I've even seen you put up messages a couple of times this week saying that you've read everyone's messages. You're going to try and get back to people. You need time. You need space. And again, even like me talking to you right now, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who was kind of chasing you for an interview and I'm like, Oh fuck, you know, leave them alone, you know? And yet here I am. So I hope it's all right to even put this towards you. No, it absolutely is. Um, It is. And I'm very happy to be speaking to you. Uh, I'm also very happy that this is pretty much the bookend of the block of interviews that I have to do. And uh, I think you understand how adamant I was about making sure that we did get to to speak. Uh, There was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of like, no, I owe it to Dave. I have to, we have to find a big chunk of time. I appreciate that, man. And in fairness, I think this is a good time to talk to you, given everything, like the timing wise, like this is a fascinating time. So I'm glad that you took the time. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I've had to become comfortable being a lot more online, particularly this week, which has been something hard to, hard to adapt to. I've, I've spent a couple of years sort of running away from a lot of the online stuff, but still understanding the necessity or maybe, maybe it's just a perceived necessity for me, but the necessity to also exist online and in order to exist in the real world at all, it seems it's, it's, it's what, what, what a weird, what a weird time it is that we live in, you know? Um, like I was talking to you before this interview about feeling sort of cloud skeptic a lot of the time and, 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 you know, feeling nervous trying to store some of my, um, my archives and my memories in the cloud. But, but it just, it, it, it does feel like, you know, that, that, that world online now is possibly the only, the only way to, to go ahead. Um, and that's, you know, that's really, it's become very obvious over the course of the past year. I've, I have naturally become a lot more online over the course of the past year because it's been my only way to communicate with the outside world. Um, I live quite isolated here and, and very, very, very rarely leave my house at all. Um, just based on the, the circumstances of the world at the moment and, um, some of the, the, you know, the health of the, the people in the house here, um, sort of the, who are very much in the, the high risk category. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I have become a lot more accustomed with the, the online chatter in the online world, but it has been weird this week having to engage an awful lot more and trying to engage more as a way to, to show the appreciation and the love that I have 
for total strangers who have communicated with me and who have gone out of their way to try and support the record or what I'm doing or who maybe believe in what it can do. Um, you know, I, I feel some sense of obligation there to try and um, to try and service that that friendship and that relationship and try and and try and nourish the the communication between myself and and strangers, particularly at the moment. And I know that that's not something that I can um, I can maintain long term because I don't think I can do it to myself. Certainly just to do with the amount of time. I know I, I referenced earlier like how difficult it is just to to, you know, I, I feel very dedicated to keeping my my main job. I I, I, I want to keep music as something that is a reward and not something that is is explicitly just labor that I need to engage with in order to stay financially stable. Um so so I I you know I, I it is difficult because I am keeping this sort of regular job which goes long beyond nine to five and juggle that alongside my music and juggle that alongside all of the visual work and juggle that alongside the relationships and the family and everything that I you know everything I referenced already uh, when you add the engagement with uh, Oh man, it still feels weird saying a fan base. I haven't wrapped my head around that yet because I was about to say a fan base, but then I stopped myself because I feel like I shouldn't say a fan base or something like that, even though that's very clearly what is. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, I feel like I shouldn't because uh, maybe that's that, um, that Irish characteristic, you know, that a lot of us have where we sort of deny the, deny the good in our own lives. Um, but uh, like when we just you know if I'm just saying everything's grand it's grand (laughs) like it could be brilliant and I'm like it's grand Um, but yeah engaging with that fan base as well um, you know just on a on on just that time basis alone it's it's hard to just do it's hard to do everything and it feels like at times I do need to do everything Um, yeah when when I think when you move past when you move past just those practical barriers you get into the to the deeper thing that occurs which is you know the weight of the weight of the communication the weight of the communication that you get from others um, the stuff I get from strangers is very overwhelming. It's very touching. It can be very stressful. It can be very beautiful. Um, but that starts to play quite a dominant role in the day to day of your life because you're, you're, you're listening, you're hearing so many people's deepest stories. Um, they're, their most dominant pain um, you know just strangers from strangers and it's it's many a day you know it's many 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 a day the the the, the private 
the private DM on Instagram, which is only something I've recently found out about since the, you know, since the, the first single. I, I don't think I even knew that was a thing beforehand, you know, but, um, yeah, the emotional weight that you, you inherit from some of those it's a, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult thing to carry with you throughout your, your life and throughout your day to day. Um, I understand that there's this like crazy responsibility that comes with being able to, um, respond appropriately to those messages as well. It's not something that you can take in a lighthearted manner. I feel like I've had to speak to a lot of experts. And I feel like I've had to rely an awful lot on toward parties in my life to know how to respond to some of those because they can be very, very, very dark um, and very touching, you know. And I understand in a lot of ways why people are responding to me like that because it's such an open album. It's such a personal album. Um, it's an album that speaks in in names, you know, it, it, it very directly talks about people as if they're in the room with you. Uh, and so I'm sympathetic to how people would, would, would feel a, a, a kinship there and a desire to share some of these, um, some of these heavier weights that they, they carry. Um, and in a lot of ways, I'm very glad that they do, but, but it, but it, it, it is a, it is a weird, it is a weird thing to try and, to try and, um, to try and bring with you through your life. Um, it's not something that I've really managed to, uh, to separate from you. Um, and, and I think just by that nature as well, it's probably made me a lot more, it's made me a lot more online because I've had to engage more. But it has also probably driven me to, um, driven me to, to want to be a lot less online. Which is totally understandable. I mean, I think ultimately the, the thing that like sticks out to me when it comes to this reaction to you, the word that com- comes to my mind is trust. I think that people trust you. I think that like you're not positing yourself as an authority figure or anything. You made this work and it's very clearly like so personal so specific to specific people but you created a world and i think that people have responded to that world by by wanting to join you in it and kind of you know obviously drawing parallels in their own life and a lot of people who will listen to this will get something from it in terms of relatability um and will will graft themselves on there it's certainly how i reacted to it and i i know i'm not alone in that i know that there are thousands of people who uh, this album you know, as as heavy as it can be, it clearly has helped them and has lifted them. At the same time, though, I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, you might feel a sense of responsibility or something when it comes to getting those Instagram messages, which could be beautiful, you know, while also perhaps, you know, unfiltered descriptions of things and, and people and places and you're in a you're in a tough position because like you don't want to you don't want to shut them down you don't want to ignore them you don't want to be rude but ultimately I think a, a day is going to have to come when you have to try and dial that down because that's not necessarily who you are like you're not looking to pen a self help book or anything I mean I think you made this very honest statement that people have responded to quite naturally and in fairness I think people would totally understand as well like you know I don't think anybody would 
would anticipate getting a, like not getting a message or not hearing back from you. I think people know and understand right now that this has taken off. You're a busy guy and you've given a lot of yourself. So, you know, I just hope that you're able to kind of turn that top off when you need to. Mm. I I feel like I feel like I was better at that. I feel like I was better at that a couple of months ago. But but like I mentioned before, I I feel like my um my my sense of obligation, I I feel like it, to me it feels like it's growing. And yeah, I hope I can um, move away from that in a in a healthy way over the next um over the next couple of weeks to months and and I, and I do agree that that people people very much will understand that I guess it's it's uh, it's something I need to close off for myself as well um you're right that it's not sustainable it's not sustainable least of all because I I mean I certainly don't have the answers it's not it's it's I mean, like, I spent so much of the past couple of years trying to understand what leads to some of the more tragic outcomes that my friends, myself, and my family have experienced. Um, I felt a sense of responsibility there, very much so. Um, I mean, I think I've written enough about it, but I feel like, you know, there's been many times in the past where, you know, I look back on it and I feel like, yeah, I probably dropped the ball, you know. Um, there's things I should have seen that I didn't. And, I mean, I've dedicated a lot, I mean, a lot of my time to trying to read every text, listen to every expert, um, try and study as much as I can to find not just the answers for the why, but the answers for the, you know, um, the, the answers for the, the, the how to stop it or, or, or how to, how to support them. I'm not sure if my, I'm not sure if my understanding is any more clear than it was. In some ways it feels like I've, just exposed myself to more questions and if anything that really speaks to the complexity of these issues um and it is very complex and it's made these interviews not not this one in particular because i, I feel like we're just kind of we're, we're just kind of talking through everything but this has been there's been some interviews where people are asking very direct questions like why do you think we've had a suicide epidemic in ireland during the late 90s or something and i'm like oof okay How do you even begin to answer yeah, yeah that's um like i can try but we might need a couple of hours here and i'm gonna have to start getting some texts out to try and reference them you know what i mean um and I, and i don't have the academic support here to to but my point with my point with these is that you know, I, I understand how complex these these issues are, and 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 with that, I understand how a a a one shoe fits all answer is just not acceptable. Going back to people, you know, um, the 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 communication I receive, you know, it it it, it warrants responses on a one to one basis, and it warrants um, it warrants an engagement, um that's 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 very specific and tailored to make sure that the right answer 
is given or the most responsible answer is given or the one that um, that can you know identify the best supports there um, and I don't know how to make that sustainable yet you know I don't know how to I don't know how to necessarily um, how to necessarily bring people to the right uh, to the right river to drink from because I don't know what the right one is even yeah. with that, even with all the the, the support and, and and the you know the 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 excellent um you know the excellent experts in the field or whatever that I've been privileged enough to be able to to speak to over the past the past year you know yeah and listen it shouldn't be on you necessarily to be that person to to lead people that way unless it was something that you sat down one day and you know decided I'm gonna be that guy which again mm-hmm. I mean like good luck to you <laughs> if that yeah. ever happens but that's no. not what you're doing with this project and you know i guess it's just it's it's you mentioned like the the, the nature of irishness earlier on and saying everything is grand i think mm. i think you know there is a incredible reaction that you can have good or bad where like you just kind of not that you're overly familiar but like you know you're just kind of like that guy gets it that girl gets it they get mm. me and like maybe that's a thing i should say by the way sorry if i can just sidetrack for one quick second given that of course you know we are recording this in our respective homes uh, a bunch of kids just walked by playing basketball a few minutes ago so i don't know if that's going to be on the audio i desperately hope it won't be but i was just like cool good stuff guys uh shoot them hoops all good but sometimes you're just like oh fuck but uh, i'm sure it's totally fine that's pretty decent timing because i had there's a bunch of kids that went by my window with Nerf guns. I think you might have seen. That's why I was looking at the window. Um, and they're all shouting, should I? They're out there basically every day. And they always try and shoot me with it when I come outside. Incredible. Like, I look yeah. like both of us are having this like incredibly serious conversation. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's like, these are signs that are like, get out in the sun, lads. Yeah. But uh, in fairness, I, I think like if I can say that like, you know, um, I interviewed you there a few years ago. You know, we became friends afterwards. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's funny because like once you do disappear offline, I know I'm going to miss you. Your uh, your kind of clap emoji responses that I get to my letterbox film reviews <laughs> that I put up because it's like my favorite yeah, yeah, part of yeah. my week. I love yeah. that. I'm yeah. like, oh, class, you know, he thinks it's cool too. It's good. Yeah. But the, the whole point, and even now, like, I mean, looking at you down the zoom lens here, it's like, when I think of you, like, I think of a big fucking smile. Like, you know, I think okay. that Dave, Dave Balfe, like, has that in him. You've got a radiance about you. And I, I hope that people aren't getting too bogged down in the, in perhaps a picture of something, you know, that, that is just exclusively one thing. And I mean, I think back mm. to, for example, and like, this is like a tough place for a music journalist to be because I think back to like the Guardian article about you at the start of the year and the headline was, Ireland's new poet of grief, new potent, uh, potent new poet of grief. And it's like the, the music journalist in me that like can't resist purple prose is absolutely like, yeah, that's a great headline. And it's, I mean, I'm going to write a piece on this interview for, for Clash magazine and I'm sure I'm going to stray into the world of, you know, $10 sentences as I always fucking do, man. But at the same time, I'm like, that is such a heavy tag to put on anybody, let alone this guy. So I don't know how much attention you pay to your own press, but again, I just hope that you're able to kind of contextualize these things because they're just huge, huge things. I mean, I don't know. I don't even have a question here, you know? No, uh, but, but, but you're talking about a pretty interesting thing. What I would say is that I very much understand the value of a headline. And I, I do understand that people, you know, uh, everybody is fighting for, um, for digital clicks, I I understand that there's a that there is for many people a necessity to to write with a, um, a sensationalist tone. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, 
I would also agree there's a hell of a lot more to me than just being this um, heartbringer of, of, of doom. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I, I haven't felt like that in quite a while. I used to, I used to feel like I, I brought a black cloud into a room, but I wasn't in a great spot then, you know what I mean? I don't feel like that now. Um, I don't think my, uh, I don't think my friends or my, my partner would think that either. In fact, I think they, my partner always gives out to me for being too enthusiastic after like 10 or 11 PM where I'm like, you know, I, I want to like, I want to go running and I want to, I want to work out and I want to play old PlayStation games at the same time. But I also want to like get a list, uh, get a list of like terrible old dad jokes and like be like, let's figure out what the funniest dad joke is, you know? <laughs> they, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, I'm in a good, the, it's a good spot. That's gonna be the the entire kind of, I guess, blueprint for the next album, right? That's where you're that's, gonna go. No, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the targeted headline for this uh, clash piece. Is <laughs> reinventing uh, the dad joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can yeah. do it. I can do it. Man. <laughs> like, I'm happy to set to work on that. And change the complexion a bit. Yeah, just like kind of like just slightly get in there and be like, my editor will be like, "Sorry, what?" And I'm like, "I'm telling you, he's done it." Yeah, I've seen yeah. it happen. Um, so yeah, you mentioned video games there for a second, but like, cause like this has been driving me crazy. I mean, you've been very generous with like, uh, the back of the vinyl has like a list of all the samples. I know another nine has done like a, an article on that. If, if anyone wants to go look and I'm sure the clearance of samples was a huge deal in, in terms of getting this, this record back out. But like, um, there's, I think it's on top scheme. There's something that I don't know what's from. I think it's yours. I don't think it is a sample, but like it is the most bubble bobble sound effect of all time. Like I just think back to arcade machines when I was a kid. It's got that kind of high pitched like pinball thing going on, and it's like it's it's a fairly constant refrain in it. But every time I hear it, I'm just like. I'm brought back to a childhood arcade and I'm just like, you know, waiting to put like 50p in the fucking slot and play this ridiculous top scroll game thing. So yeah, that, that's where I go when I listen to the album anyway. So just in case you were wondering. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard anybody respond to Top's game as um, bringing them back to the Plex or something like that, but totally, totally on board with that. Um, I don't know exactly what sound you're talking about, but it probably is uh, like, it probably is a weird manufactured synth sound that I that I made. Um, Top Scheme is almost explicitly like weird clangy synth sounds that I I made over over time and 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 sourced all together for that for that one. Um, I'm not I'm just, I'm not a big video game person in general, so I'm not going to do a burial. Like I'm not going to have the the Metal Gear Solid samples or anything like that. But it would um, be so good, man. <laughs> I I have been. I have been replaying the PlayStation 1 version of Tony Hawk's Tree. Um, I've had it in my mind that maybe I might try and learn how to speed run it because I'm, I can, I can finish it, start to finish 100% goals in a, like pretty decent pace. I'm thinking maybe, maybe I should go down that avenue. But um, why would I need to invite? something else into my life that I will need to dedicate mass amount of times to. And it's just going to make you more and more wired like at this yeah. stage. If you're, if you're not sleeping past 11 o'clock, you'd be up to fucking three at this point. And like, you know, you're oh, 29, yeah. you're still in your 20s. I've unfortunately gone past that milestone. I'm a bit older than you. So uh, it doesn't, you know, like like the last thing, you know, like I need is less sleep. I don't sleep very well either. Never really yeah. have. Um, can I ask you, by the way, I mean, like obviously like this whole run, this whole project, this whole thing, I know that there might be a reluctance to kind of, you know, I mean, like maybe me 
you saying Reluctance to Celebrate is a bit too black and white, but like there obviously have been very important milestones of your own along the way. Like, can you talk maybe a bit like Tommy Tiernan, like appearing on his show and other voices? Like these are huge things that I think you pulled off incredibly well and people really, really took to. But I mean, it's got to be nerve wracking, right? Okay. So let's say from, from the start, the, the Jules performance, that's like, that, that's the, that, that was just, that was such a weird time. And, you know, there was sort of on and off rumors for weeks or months leading into it that like, oh, we might, we might be asked to do a Jules performance here. We might be asked to do a Jules performance. And, you know, I, I had sent the, the label, that email a year before or something like that. Um, pretty much at the start when we first started talking saying like I'm not interested in being a professional musician it's not where my heart lies um, but I have two musical goals I have two goals left in my life in general and one of them is to play Jules Holland and we don't need to get into the second one I, I, blacked, I blacked it out when I posted it online I keep it that way I keep it private for now I'll tell you I'll tell you off off air Dave Um but, right. uh, We're going to kill but, this interview right now so I can find out this <laughs> wonderful, wonderful piece of music industry juice that I will never tell anybody else. But now, please continue. Um, yeah, uh, and, then, and, then, and then we got it. And, and it was one of the first times where I've ever like, freaked out about, um, about an external thing. Like, I, I got back to, I got back to um, signing the 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 deal with the label and just how like anticlimactic that was and it was supposed to be like this big thing and you know I just kind of signed it and I was like yeah alright cool like um they're like we have a drink and I was like oh, I'll take a I'll take a coffee I think like I don't know I'm gonna go for a run over here um and yeah just all of the moments leading up towards the Jules thing where where stuff that other people were celebrating and I wasn't because I just think as I said like you know I just wasn't I wasn't very charmed by it because I think I had, I appeared behind the curtain many times you know what I mean I, I, I've seen I've seen what I've seen the ugliness of how these things run with many of my other peers who have walked this road before you know um but then the Jill's thing came and I was like oh my god this is this is a this is a special moment and I started to get a little bit panicked and then you know, I did my rehearsals and stuff, but then I turned up on the day and it was just like, so peaceful. It was so peaceful. I, I, I didn't feel any, um, I didn't feel any stress. I, I, I felt nothing but comfort. And I think I got lucky because I have responded for years to the, the visual of that studio, you know? I feel like I know how many paces it is from one side to the other. I haven't never been in it because I've watched it so religiously. So then to go in and do it in Smock Alley instead and have no visual tropes, nothing that told, nothing that told me I was doing a Jules Holland performance. I think it kind of let me, it let me away with one, you know what I mean? I, I was able to go in and just stay very calm and, and peaceful about it and, and not become overwhelmed. Whereas if, we weren't in the, the middle of a lockdown and I was going instead to the UK to do it. I'd been getting sick in the jacks beforehand, probably. 
You're like, this is where At The Drive-In played, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, um, I, cause I, cause I kind of freak out with some of those things with studios and stuff. I remember one day years ago, um, doing a bit of a job, a separate job in RTE, um, just doing, doing a thing and walking by the RTE Sport, uh, like the panel studio and being like, ooh, and there being nobody around. And I went in with one of my friends and made somebody else record us do the, um, uh, you know, I'll tell you who wrote it. It was Rod Little. He's the <laughs> chap that ran off and left his wife for a young one. So I'm like, there's like, um, seeing those studios, uh, so, so evocative to me and reminds me so much of these like monumental, um, uh, like visual experiences in my life. One of which is Eamon Dunphy doing that. But, um, I mean, that's a, everyone's life, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. question, yeah. Exactly. Transcendent. But, but if I, if I had gone to the Jill studio, I would have probably freaked out. Um, so I think I got away with one there. Well, other voices was very, very different. Similarly, I feel like I got away with one there too because I got to play my first full set, but I got to play it to essentially an empty room. I didn't have the added pressure of a crowd. That's not something I needed to navigate. Um, how peculiar this is going to be that my very first experience with a crowd is going to be with the Soldo Olympia. Um, I should actually not think about that too much because yeah, I might get on the back burner for yeah, like yeah, three yeah, yeah, or yeah. four or five months. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. we'll get there. Um, but yeah, but, but with the other voices, when I feel like you know, I, I was very lucky that I got to do that to an empty to an empty room, and I, and I got to to pace my way through it and, and not feel overwhelmed by seeing other people's visual response. Um, that that was that was quite. Um, that was a heavy. That was a heavy night, though. That was that was that was heavy. Gone like, um, you know, coming when when I came off stage. I remember, <laughs> I remember coming off stage and uh, I'm walking into like the side room, and for the first time in as long as I can remember, crying because I don't cry very often. Um, in fact, I would have told people that I can't cry and I was under the impression that I couldn't really cry because of the, the medication that I take. I find it very hard to feel a lot of things. I'm very glad that I take the medication. I don't mind feeling flat because it's way better than feeling how I used to feel. Um, but I was under the impression that I just wasn't able to cry because music didn't do it for me anymore. Films didn't do it for me anymore. Things would happen in my life and I was... I would feel things, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't turn the tap, you know? But I remember walking off the stage and, and going into the room and just holding the flowers in my hand and that photo of Paula and I, I was just weeping and I was hidden behind a bunch of chairs in a corner. But what I didn't realise is that there was a load of uh, like jackets beside me as well. So there was people from the crew 
like coming in, not realizing that I was there, going to take the jacket, turning the corner and seeing me and like freaking out and being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> and like running off and that just happening like every, every two minutes on repeat for about 15 minutes. Uh, it was, I felt like it was actually probably pretty fitting. You know what I mean? It did, it did, it, it was, um, it added enough, enough, enough comedy into it for me to, for me to find a little bit of a way out afterwards, you know what I mean? To know, I am, this has happened too many times now. I got to stand up and, and get out of here. I got to go back to the hotel. Like, I remember walking outside then and, and seeing my dad. I came down with my dad, you know, um, and, and, and hugging him and not realizing that there was, you know, the entire crew the entire staff of other voices outside the church all looking at us. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that hug with my dad was one of the first times again. And as long as I can remember where I, I don't know, I like left the, I left the world that I was in for a minute and fell into it fell into something very, very different. Um, and it was, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if I have a very huggy relationship with my dad, so I, I, don't, think I'll, I don't think I'll ever, I won't ever forget that. I think it was very, it was a really important moment for me and my dad. And I think we've been a lot, so much more, it's been so much easier to tell each other that we love each other now, you know what I mean? Um, those those things they yeah I'm very 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 lucky that I got to do that with him yeah honestly man I'm I'm delighted to hear you say that I think that it's you know that's an extremely personal unique thing I mean maybe maybe it's not true for everybody I know I've got I've got a similarly kind of tough emotional relationship with my own dad and like I love him to bits but it hasn't always been manifested like like that like the way you just described so I mean that's an, that's an amazing moment and thank you for for talking about it that's it's really nice to hear yeah no no problem it's very universal isn't it you know you grow up a little bit cold and you're like damn still fighting against the still fighting against the the like yeah uh, the the still fighting against the the tropes that were painted painted onto us as as kids the way we were told things to be um it's been pretty beautiful to to be able to open that back up again though and um yeah very glad of very glad of that on you did ask about tommy tiernan and one thing i would like to clear up because people keep asking about it i'm totally going to spoil the picture here legit you don't you don't like he doesn't know who's coming Okay, yeah, because this isn't speculation. The whole format of his show is that he allegedly has no idea who he's interviewing, but people are always like, surely he does. Uh, no, and it was very awkward. My actual interview was probably about 90 minutes long, and they cut it down to much shorter. Um, but but I remember arriving and them like sneaking me into the building, and I was like, why are you sneaking me in? He's going to have no idea who I am. So like, if he see, they're like, we can't let him see it from a distance. And I'm like, if he sees me from a distance, he's not going to go like, that's David Balf there. He's going to be like, who's the young in the tracksuit? Like, he's just another guy that works here. Obviously, <laughs> he doesn't know me. 
So, but yeah, it's like, man, it is, uh, it is high security. Like, it's, it's really, really, um, it's really separated. It's really separated. And, and, and one other thing, um, totally, uh, peering behind the curtain with it. But yeah, a 90, about a 90 minute interview had zero idea who I was. Genuinely had no idea. So it's, it's quite awkward trying to explain that because I also have to like figure out how I explain who I am and what it is that I do, which is a hard, it's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, they had to reshoot my, at the end, at the very end, reshoot my intro as well because they first introduced me as David Ralph. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very glad that didn't stick. Th- that could be your new thing, man. Can't Some be. Jazz only, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Duke Silver job from uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe if I ever got it. My, my ma has always maintained that if she ever got another dog, she would name it Ralph. So it'd be Ralph Balf. Um which I'm, I guess I'm into, but I'm glad, I'm glad, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad David Ralph didn't stick. I will say, I mean, not to defend Tommy Tiernan too much here because how dare he, but I will say this, right? No, it wasn't him. It was the other guy. It was the, the, the MC that, that introduced me. Oh, right. Because he's, he gets a card in front of him, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's more like the, more like the, the, the whole thing of like, if he didn't know he were, it's like the whole format of that show is, I guess it invites that. I mean, at least yeah. this wasn't like a late, late show, Pat Kenny interviewing Pete Doherty thing from years ago. Mm. Where Pete Doherty literally turned around to him in the middle of the interview and said, you don't know who I am, do you? Mm. Pat Kenny was like, no, <laughs> it was like, great, good stuff. Uh, I mean, it was the format of the show itself that charmed me to be comfortable with the idea of doing it. I, I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that show. I think, I think Tommy's, a, I think Tommy's become a pretty great interviewer. Um, it's hugely popular. People love it. Yeah. I, what I, what I will say as well is when we stopped rolling, he stayed seated in the, the chair and so did I. And I think I got a good picture. I feel like he's got a good heart. Um, I mean, it's very, very brief off camera interaction, but he was very concerned about, you know, how I was and how I was going to be going home by myself after having that kind of intense interaction for so long. Um, and I have quite a bit of respect for that, to be able to do that after trying to cut all these like separate little promo bits after and be so focused on what is essentially your your job like that's your labor that's your job to be able to kind of come back you know come back down to earth and back into the room and be like all right yeah cool that's done but i'm actually pretty concerned like how are you how are you doing here and um kind of just told everybody to leave for a minute you know and, and just um yeah I, I i respected that quite a lot I know myself just in regular day-to-day work sometimes it's hard to it's hard to separate just in your job and and realize that there's you know it's it's a whole it's a whole human element it's a whole human element as well so uh, yeah it was a it was a it was a really it was a really strange experience but I um I was charmed by the format and I was also very touched by how caring the not just Tommy but also the staff where um I think I've I've always been told that the television is is pretty cutthroat and 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 can be quite um 
it's so fast paced, you know, you're just in and then you're out again. Um, there wasn't any of that. There was a lot of like, here's the supports we have. Here's what we can do. You know, if you need something in a day, if you need something in two days, if you need to talk about where you're at in three days, um, you know, here's what we can, what we can do. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad about that sort of stuff because it didn't sour. I, I, like, I, I feel nervous about doing a lot of these things because I feel like they could really, they could really sour, um, they could really sour my patience with, um, with some of the more traditional modes of media that you need to engage with, you know, but, um, but I've been very, very lucky. I've also been very picky about, you know, I, I trust the gut. I always have just in my gut and I feel like, you know, the, the label, um, the two, specifically the two lads I deal with, trust their own guts as well. And I don't think it's really steered us wrong too many times yet. So those, those, those things are, um, they're valuable. I feel, I feel like we've, 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 we've had a good picture of what way things can be because we've, we've, um, I think we've said yes to the right stuff and, and no, we've said no to the right stuff as well. Well, I mean, once again, thank you for saying yes to this. And uh, it'll be probably another two years before I track you down for another one of these. But uh, in closing, uh, I'm reluctant to ask you about the future of this project. It might be something that you couldn't even answer, even if you wanted to. But I am curious about how you feel at this time about just making music and kind of because you strike me as like you're a very creative guy Mm. I I can't envision a future in which you're not doing something you know so I'm just curious as to how you know maybe you've got a different perspective or again this could be something that you simply just cannot say out loud to me no I can't yeah yeah. I'll tell you about it I'll tell you about it I told you Dave I'm gonna you ask me something I'm gonna give you the answer you know what I mean I'll tell Um, you what his name was you know yeah (laughs) Um. At the moment, at the moment, I'm very visually focused. Um, at the moment, I'm spending almost all of my time engaging with uh, with Cinema 4D and just and just building building landscapes and 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 uh, and worlds and scenes in in, in cinema. Um, and that's that's kind of where my um, it's kind of where my my interest lies just right right now and. I wonder if part of the reason why I'm so interested in that right now is because how limited I am with moving picture at the minute, shooting film at the minute, because I can't really get out in the world and I can't really reflect the world that I'm in um, by, by, by shooting film the way I usually do. Uh, you know, I would usually spend quite a bit of time outdoors and and, and, and making a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of moving picture that way. Um, at the moment, I'm you know maybe i'm i'm so drawn to 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 fabricating these bizarre 3d worlds at the moment um because they're a way to kind of vicariously do what i used to do just in a, in a, in a bit more of a um a bit more of a surreal manner uh, it's it's quite nice to be able to um, it's quite nice to be able to to enter into totally totally new landscapes at a time when you're so isolated to one office. When it comes down to actually writing music, though, I 
have intentions to do a second album. I started a second album. Um, I started a second album with a very, very clear concept and a pretty decent understanding of the, the sound palette. Um, I started to write some songs for it. And this was all sort of near the start of lockdown. It has become increasingly more hard to write over the past couple of months. Sure, there's been a lot less time to engage with that part, but I think really I have found myself out of practice with the tools of my trade and the tools is storytelling. Um, My practice is so much spending time with my friends or spending time in pubs. I go... I used to, I know, I know it's not the, the healthiest thing. It doesn't sound that healthy. And at one stage it was a very unhealthy thing for me to do, but I, I did get quite a good grasp on it eventually. And I was able to kind of do it in a healthier way. But I got to post by myself an awful lot. Um, I like to, it's, it, it works well for me. And, and I'll often meet strangers and, I, I, you know, a couple of points and, and talk to them. And, um, you know, when you meet a stranger in a pub, so much of it is about storytelling you listen to their stories, they ask you about yours. and um, Oftentimes they ask you things about your life that you've forgotten about and you go back and you explore them. I feel like that's where my, uh, my, my, my road running is. That's where, my, that's where I put the miles. That's where I put the miles down. And I'm just out of practice because I've had no option to do that. I've been stuck in this, essentially, you know, by, by a couple of, um, by three three windows, uh, Jules, Jules, other voices, and and one video where I got to go out, get tested, do the thing, get tested again, isolate for six or seven days alone, get tested again, and then come back to um, the house and and be with my my partner again. Um, outside of that, you know, I've just literally I have been basically just in this office for a year or, or yeah thereabouts. Um, so my, my, my practice, um, it's, it's, it's not functioning at the moment. I don't have the, my skills, they're just getting, they're getting worse and worse. I I can't write the same. Um, I can't express the same. I'm not inspired the same way either. That's, that's, that's a key. You know, I'm not inspired the same way. Um, a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, write about the, write about being stuck in, and no, that doesn't. That doesn't speak to me at all. It doesn't speak to me at all. Um, and the, the 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 project that I was writing it was so indebted to just so indebted to storytelling. Um, and so much of the way I write the story with this project was informing what way I was shaping some of the sonics as well. So while I've continued to make a lot of instrumental music. Um, I don't really think it's that relevant to where I want this project to go, what direction I want it to lead. Some of my practical music making skills are probably getting better um, just from spending some time with it. But, but I'm, not creating the, I'm not creating the world that I, that I intended to with this project or the world that speaks to me most. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that when you know, when the world starts to get back on its feet, 
and I can slowly start to to return to to a life that I that I lived before, or a you know a slightly different one, um, but still one that that's inspiring that I'll be able to continue with that project and um and get to the next phase because I do want to I do want to continue and I do want to get another another record out because I've realised that. I've realised that I have a lot more in me left to say that fits into this fits into this uh, fits into the vocabulary I've, I've put forward so far um, I didn't think I did but but I do Well man, that's awesome to hear and I know that there's going to be a lot of people waiting patiently for that day to arrive but in the meantime uh, you've gifted something very very special to the world and I'm not the first I won't be the last but thank you for it and thank you very much for taking the time today to chat to me thank you very much Dave I am honoured and it was good crack yeah, um, I hope so. I wasn't too. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like like I was like beforehand. I was like, oh fuck, it's finally happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, because I've you know been been building up to it for so long. Obviously, like the interview the, from ages ago. I'm just like, I want like I want this to be. I want I want anyone who's listened to this to to get to know you better and myself in the process too. And hopefully that's mm-hmm. somewhere where we got to. So, but if you really want to, then you should have left in the part where I struggled for like 25 minutes at the start to set up enough microphones to make things actually work and uh, still manage to fuck it up. Yeah, that's just for me. I'm. I'm Keeping that in my own like archive, that, that that's my little thing. But that was incredible. That was like the greatest struggle I've ever seen. How many microphones do you have? Like, it's Evidently not enough. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. For those of love, Dave Valve. Thank you, man. Cheers, Dave Hanright. No encore. Thank you. Is David Balf, also known as For Those I Love in Conversation on No Encore. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. I want to thank Dave for taking the time and like I said at the top of the show for his honesty and for his generosity and for his trust because uh, he's an incredible guy. Like he's just a fucking cool guy. He's a radiant guy. I hope that came across. I it's it's a pleasure to listen to him. I often don't want to say anything, you know. Um, but I hope it was a real conversation. Like with these episodes in particular, with interviews, I I just genuinely have. <laughs> I just want to have a genuine conversation. Um, it's it's tough. It's difficult. I'm mindful as well of the nature of this project, the sensitivity attached to it, and the roller coaster of emotions that David Balf is clearly experiencing at the moment. But he's a very grounded guy, a hugely talented individual and a generous, generous soul. And I'm absolutely delighted that that he took the time and that we were able to put this episode together. So like I say, if you've never heard No Encore before, stick with us. We do stuff like this all the time. We get to interview people in depth and we also have our regular show every Friday. There's a lot more to what we do as well. There's a film offshoot. There's more coming. And yeah, thanks again to literally everybody involved. And with that in mind, uh, if for some bizarre reason you haven't picked up the For Those Love album yet or haven't really given it a go, now is the time. Check it all out. Thanks once again to everybody for listening. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we're back every single Friday.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.